Hello, everyone. You're listening to America Meditating Radio. We collect wisdom, inspire each other, and empower hearts on demand 24-7. I'm Sister Jenna, host of the syndicated America Meditating Radio. Join us as we talk one-on-one with leading experts who answer life's most compelling questions. Because in a world of uncertainty, we need answers right here, right now. America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Do you like to meditate? Have you tried to meditate? Have you struggled with meditation? Why don't you visit one of the Brahma Kumaris Meditation Center? Visit brahmakumaris.org. The Azar Foundation for Children of the World is an organization aimed to support women and children in need across the globe. We believe in empowering lives, strengthening minds, and providing programs that enrich health and education. The Azar Foundation was founded in 2003 and has been serving the world ever since. Visit us at our website at www.azarforchildren.org. That's www.azar4children.org to find out more information about our endeavors and join our mailing list. Remember, the smile and the cry of a child doesn't have any language. The Azar Foundation. I want to show you something. Each day around the world, 5,000 people are infected with HIV. That was over 20 years ago. Today, an estimated one in five gay men in major U.S. cities is living with HIV. So why aren't we talking about it? Today, we have the tools to make HIV history. Let's finish what we started. Because the world needs you to live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to America Meditating Radio. I'm your host, Sister Jenna. It's lovely for us to hear Elizabeth Taylor, and I so loved meeting her grandson at Whoopi Goldberg's home the other day. And we're definitely really asking everyone to support um, any sort of research for HIV. I think it's quite important, and I think it's gone. It's, it's come such a long way, and people are living longer lives, and. As a result of living longer, does that mean you're living better? <laughs> and a better life, for me, the definition is clearer thinking, a better attitude, a very optimistic attitude, and also observing that your life's capacity in your learning curve or your relationship um, growth, it's increasing. Economy is increasing. Not to say you don't go through a cycle where you're like, oh my gosh, where's all the money? But also that you do feel that you have the faith in yourself that you can always make a comeback. Thank you so much for joining us on the air. Having you with us means the world to us. We're now over a thousand episodes, over a million archived listeners, and we can't believe that it's just been three years and we've not missed a show yet. This started off just because of Sister Gita's uh, treatment and survival of cancer. And she was just supposed to head the show, and she left me with the show, everyone. She left me um, holding the baton here. And I have to say, though, she's doing incredibly well. She came back from India, and today she's going to read us a beautiful poem. So I'm looking forward to having her on the air after a very long time. 
Emily Fletcher, founder of Ziva Meditation, is also going to join us to have a heart-to-heart chit-chat. And before I get Emily on, it's so crucial, especially in these times, to be able to find your space. I'm going to call it your Ziva Meditation. From my off-the-grid, letting uh, off-the-grid into the heart meditation CD, take a deep breath and stay tuned. Om Shanti. The time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate. But even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul the original, eternal, imperishable being of light. For a little while, I'd like to invite you to be present, to be here, and to be now. Allow your mind to settle in the moment, to relax. This meditation is about awareness. It's about becoming aware of your original and eternal self. It's about connecting to your truth. Let go of your name. And observe yourself feeling nameless. Let go of your gender to discontinue thinking you're a man or a woman. Let it go and observe how you would feel walking around without a gender. Let go of the role that you play and let go of the titles that you own. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion, nationality, or even a language. Ask yourself. How do you feel at this moment?
And in this feeling, who would think of you and who would you think of? The Supreme Soul would think of you and you, the liberated soul, would think of the Supreme. In this state of absolute freedom, I am truly who I am. A free, peaceful, pure, immortal, eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed in this awareness. At this time, Welcome back. That was Letting Go Meditation. It always centers me. It's my favorite, actually, on the whole track, and I have a new CD coming out, so do look forward to that. And of course, you know, all the proceeds go to all of my charities that the American Meditating Radio Show believes in, from Standing Rock to the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation to um, Tangible Hope to the Brahma Kumaris to the meditation museums. So do know that this is really an act of love and charity that we continue to host our conversations. Emily Fletcher. Emily is the founder of Ziva Meditation and the creator of Ziva Mind, the world's first online meditation training. She's been featured in the New York Times, was amongst the top 100 women in wellness to watch and is regarded as one of the leading experts in meditation for performance. Emily has been invited by companies like Google, Barclays Bank, Sweet Green to help improve company performance through meditation. She's been invited to speak at a number of prestigious institutions and has taught over 5,000 people to become self-sufficient meditators with this game-changing practice to take with them for life. Welcome, Emily Fletcher, to the air. Hi, Emily. Hello. Thank you so much for that lovely intro. Yay. Well, it's all you, isn't it? I mean, you're calling, you're fulfilling it. And uh, in a time where I think we need more of this integration of, I don't want to call it mindfulness, but self-monitoring, awareness of what your capacity is, awareness of what's getting in your way. And I know that you enjoyed a 10-year career on Broadway, which include roles in Chicago, the producer's course line. But what led you more into meditation, Emily? How did you start to make it into your lifelong maybe career or journey? Well, I think it was twofold. One, I had, you know, I was very fortunate and I was very thankful to achieve what really was a lifelong goal at a relatively young age. And Mm -hmm. I got my first Broadway show at 22 years old. And about three weeks later, it was the saddest I'd ever been. And I realized, (laughs) I didn't realize quite then, but a few years later, I started to discover that I was more interested in the happiness of pursuit than I was the pursuit of happiness. 
Because, you know, that little piece of us that really believes or wants to believe that our happiness lies on the other side of the acquisition of some desire or some dream. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, I got that dream pretty early, so I was able to let go of that uh, misinformation at a relatively young age. But I didn't, you know, I was 22, so I just thought, well, my happiness must be in the next job or the next show or the next boyfriend or the next year in my bank account. And I did that for Mm -hmm. about 10 years. And then finally, my last show was a chorus line where I was understudying mm-hmm. three of the lead roles, which is it's pretty high demand. And it's basically like you never know what's going to happen that night. You can get thrown on at a moment's notice. Sometimes you switch from one character to the next. So it's pretty intense. Some people are good at that job. I'm not one of them. And so I was living my life in this constant state of anxiety and stress. And I started going gray at 26. I started having insomnia, started getting injured and sick. And so here I am, like, living my dream on Broadway, doing the thing I'd wanted to do since I was a child, and I was miserable. And it was very confusing to me because I was still under that I'll be happy when syndrome. And then thankfully, this woman sitting next to me in the dressing room was doing her job so elegantly, so joyfully, with so much celebration. And I was like, lady, what do you know that I don't know? (laughs) She said, I meditate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a decade ago, so I I know it's getting more and more popular as neuroscience is, is continuing to, you know, validate and verify what, what a lot of us have known for, or, or not us, but what people have been knowing, knowing for thousands of years. Anyway, point of the story is that I found this practice, a cure by insomnia on the first day. I stopped getting sick. I stopped getting injured. I started enjoying my job again. And I just thought, well, why does everybody not do this? And so I left Broadway. I went to India and I started what became a three-year training process to teach. And then I, I moved well, I wasn't in. I was not in India that whole time. I'm not that hardcore. I was back and forth. Um, Nobody is out of out of India. Oh my gosh, what an experience! Yeah. <laughs> now I was going to okay. tell you, Sister Gita's been to India like 50 times. I was like, how do you do that? You know, she's not mm. she's not Indian. She's African, and it's just like she just loves it. it but it, you have to be designed to survive India. Yes, and I think it, it has to feel like home to you when you're there. I remember when I, mm. my first time I got to Rishikesh, I was walking around the streets and, and everyone kept looking at me, just really, I mean, really looking at me. You know, I know. The street shop owners, <laughs> and they said, they kept saying, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home. And it just really struck me. And I remember one day I started crying because it really did feel like that. I felt like I was home and in, a, in, a, in a spiritual sense, not necessarily a, a physical sense. Um, so it was... Yeah, but it's been a beautiful journey, and I feel so incredibly grateful to get to now use my lifetime of performance training, but uh, mm-hmm. more directly to help people. I and mean, I think absolutely performance helps people, but then this just feels a little faster and a little bit more direct. Right. Well, now something that you were sharing about, you know, how meditation now is really optimized. It's becoming more mainstream. And I do have mm-hmm. concerns that it's not like something marketed and it's a fad, but go back historically, some of the greatest minds were contemplative minds, and they found their own clarity of purpose to keep moving forward. And I do feel that when we meditate, or when we focus more on the pattern of thinking that consumes our inner world, our souls, then we become the decision maker to choose, is this the thought that's going to take me to my ultimate destination? Or coming from your languaging, is this the role that I want to play? Is this mm. the words that I want to speak? You know, is this the scene I really need to be in? Because I feel mm. that the benefit of meditation really, really gets you into the place that you speak a lot about, to be more present. And when you're present, you can really enjoy what life is about. Yes, I agree. And 
but I, I feel like we were using these words mindfulness or, or you know, people who are very mm-hmm. contemplative, people who have the ability to be very present and choose what action they're going to take to even choose which thought pattern they want to engage in. I would call that mindfulness. And in, in the way, and I know that these words are becoming used them interchangeably, mindfulness and meditation, but my definition of them is that when we meditate, we're actually accessing that still, calm, quiet, inner contentedness, even moving mm-hmm. beyond waking, sleeping, and dreaming states of consciousness. And the way I see it and the way I teach it is that we do that. We give our body this deep rest every day, and that actually de-excites the nervous system in a way that, that allows the body to let go of the lifetime of accumulated stresses that we all have in our body. All that stress from the past actually gets stored in ourselves. And so if you have a daily meditation practice where you're you know, dipping into this deep rest, then what happens is that you start eradicating that stress from your body, and that in turn allows you to be more mindful. It allows you to be more contemplative. It gives you the power to choose, well, is this a thought pattern that leads me to my highest self, or is this a thought pattern that is just recycling the old stress in my body? But I feel like Mm. most of us, if we are riddled with stress in our nervous system, then we are oftentimes rendered choiceless. We know we shouldn't be clicking someone off in nature, you know, on traffic or screaming at our mother-in-law, but if our body is still consumed with stress, we just do it anyway. And, you know, do you believe in past lives experiences or past births? Because one of the things that I always discuss with other folk is, look, I didn't get trained or taught about any of these thoughts that I'm getting. This has got to come from something in a past that's not present because it makes no sense that I like Chinese food and I've never been to China. So it's like (laughs) I have these thoughts and these vibrations, you know, that I do know that things are trapped in our emotional body, what we would call the subtle energies around the the soul's vibrational field. And it's like, how do you remove it? And you have to remove it through a consistent, disciplined practice of certain kinds of thoughts. And I went onto your Twitter page today. I'm sneak previewing you. And you said something about my morning meditation is like taking a shower for my brain. I love that. Speak to that that a little more. Yeah, because I want to sure. keep bathing and keep keeping clean. <laughs> and honestly, it's one of my missions with Viva to make uh-huh. leaving your house without meditating as rude as leaving your house without showering or without brushing your teeth. Mm, it's like, that's gross. You it. need to handle that, <laughs> both for your own enjoyment of your life and for the enjoyment of everyone around you. You know, it's like we right. understand this idea that every day we get dirty, so every day we shower. But similarly, every day we're interacting with work and family and traffic and deadlines and emails and the Internet. And so every day we're picking up new stresses. And so every day it's important that we practice this mental hygiene, this mental fitness. And the style that I teach is actually a twice-a-day practice. And the sort of pseudo-math on that is that once-a-day meditation is getting rid of all the new stresses that you pick up each new day. But that second meditation is helping to unbake the cake. It's helping to yeah. eradicate those past accumulated stresses in the physical and cellular body. And to your point, okay. possibly even in your epigenetics as well. Exactly. Now, let our listeners know a little bit about your online meditation training program, Ziva Mind. Yes, I would love to. So to be very mm-hmm. honest, um, when I started Ziva Mind, I didn't know if it was going to work because, you know, that <laughs> we ever. About, <laughs> I know, exactly. <laughs> because it's about five years old. 
And on, mm-hmm. I know it seems crazy, but online courses weren't really popular then. And, you know, there were pockets of people talking about meditation, but it wasn't in, you know, Vanity Fair and Wired Magazine. And, you know, Google and Harvard Business School certainly weren't talking about it quite yet. And so <clears throat> both online courses and meditation were considered a little weird. So to combine them together, people would call me a nudist Buddhist. <laughs> like individually, they're a little weird, but put them together and it's really weird. <laughs> At least for like a middle American audience. Um, Do you know who so, you remind me of? Has who? anyone ever told you you sound like Alanis Morissette? Oh, no, I've never heard that before, but I like you it. You so <laughs> do. You oh, so do. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, oh. but you're so cute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So um, so basically made Diva Mind because I started teaching so many people in New York and L.A. and it was really having these beautiful impacts on their lives and they're, they were sleeping better and their anxiety was going away and their migraines were going away and they just felt like they were in flow and enjoying their lives more. And they said, look, my mom is in Idaho. There's no teachers there. Or my cousin lives in Brazil. There's no teachers there. How can we help them? And so it just felt selfish to keep this stuff to myself. And I was like, well, technology is getting better and there is a need for it. So we made Diva Mind. So it's it's an eight-day training. It's about 30 minutes a day for eight consecutive days. And it is a matriculation. So it's a, it's a real education program. Each day builds upon the previous day. And the idea is that in this program, you get the keys to the car and you get the driving instructions so that by the time you graduate, you have an everyday, twice-a-day practice that you could do on your own. And you don't have to keep logging in. It's not like an app where you need my voice. It's not, um, it's not designed to make you dependent. It's actually designed to make you self-sufficient. Because I really believe that you know, it doesn't matter how good the tool is, you have to pick it up and use it. And if you have to make sure that your phone is charged and that you have your headphones and that you have your, you know, your incense and your gong and your finger symbols and your earplugs in order to meditate, then there's a lot of reasons, there's a lot of easy excuses to not do it. And so sure. I, I really like to teach people what I call the householder program, um, which is designed to be integrated. You can do it at work, you can do it on a bus, on a train, on a plane. And, and then you start to develop that daily discipline, and then that starts to build on itself. And life starts to get more and more elegant, more and more in flow, more and more rich. And now we have, you know, about four, four or 5,000 people around the globe that have done Viva Mind. And it's, it's been one of the most rewarding things I've ever created. It's been really fun. Now, you know, one of the things that tends to um, make people a little bit skeptical about meditation or meditators is that they expect us to be perfect, personified, you know, on the pulpit, <laughs> walking around as the perfect images of silence power, you know, the Zen stage. And what I like to do is to remind people that we're on a journey and we're on a journey together. And we have our ups and downs, but we're aware of where our limitations might be and we're aware of where our weaknesses are, which I think is basically the only distinction between a meditator or someone, quote unquote, who defines themselves as spiritual versus somebody who says, no, that's not for me. So when I look at a meditator, I look at somebody who's just in tune more with what's getting in their way rather than Mm. someone who keeps bumping up, bumping up, bumping up over and over again over the same issue. I was on a conference call the other day, and in the middle of it, I decided to just hang up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Even though that's one of the main hosts, but what happened? (laughs) I know that sounded awful to say. But what happened was we had these meetings going on for almost two months, and there were about three other people who had just hopped on the call. And it's always interesting to observe the energy of how new people who just have no idea of what's going on, what they bring into a narrative. 
But I knew that my hanging up didn't come from a peaceful, loving, pure place. And plus, I was a little tired that day. No excuse. And I sat in my own contemplation and walked in my contemplation and I ate in contemplation. And I asked, why did I do that? And then I realized that we're in a cycle and there are older souls here. It's like, imagine old souls, you know, all these souls that have come down, you know, playing out their part. And there are newer souls that are also coming into the same stage and the same drama, the same movie. And they come with a different story. And my role as an older soul is to accommodate, be patient, loving, and offer the wisdom. And so when I got on the next conference call two days ago, I was able to apply that. And I owe that for my meditation practice. So mm-hmm. what I want to what what I want to present to you is have you had those rough days, those down days? And when you did, how did you handle it and how did you get back to your Ziva mind? Hmm. Thank you for asking such a beautiful question and thank you for your honesty mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for sharing because I think oftentimes the expectations that we put on ourselves as meditators and as you know, people on a spiritual path and certainly expectations that other people put on us, I think are um, uh, just not, they don't serve us. And I think just because you're on the path and just because you're teaching people tools that have helped you doesn't mean you need to put your unrealistic expectations on yourself that you're not human, right? Like you said, we're all, we're all on the journey. We're all human. And if you know A, teach A. If you know B, teach B. And as you gain new letters of the alphabet, you keep teaching those. What I like to say you know, it's not that meditators don't feel, right? It's, we have this stereotype that meditators should just be these little bliss bunnies floating on a cloud of enlightenment, but it's, it's the opposite in my experience. It's not that meditation makes you stop feeling or that it makes you numb. It actually allows you to feel faster. It allows you to feel mm-hmm. more fully so that you can move through to the new now. Because I often find that people who don't have a daily practice of eradicating that stress from their body, then it builds up and builds up and builds up and it becomes like a volcano like a pressure cooker and the pressure starts to get more and more intense and then if anything happens the the self-protection device is to avoid it or to pretend right. it's not happening or to be like not now not now not now but that doesn't make right. the pain or the stress go away and then what happens is you know inevitably there's the straw that breaks the camel's back and then we have this fight or flight stress reaction and so what I really like to liberate myself and my students with is just giving them the, the image that meditation is going in and softening the calluses and allowing them to put the shield down that they've been holding up around their hearts because they're dissipating that pressure, that internal volcano. So if they feel something, they actually have the tools, A, but also it's not so scary that it's going to be an overwhelming tsunami of emotions. They just feel it fully. They just cry or they get angry or they punch the pillow and then they move through to the new now. And I think that's why we have the stereotype of meditators is that they're, they're more often than not, or I guess more often than non-meditators, living in that present moment. And if we're really, truly in the right now, truth is we're fine, right? We're, we're currently drowning in abundance. And so when I have those moments, I actually sometimes savor them. It feels, I like to remind myself that it's a healing catharsis, and I just give myself permission <laughs> to just let it up and out. Um, I have this nerdy theme song in Ziva Mind on like day three of the program where I start like a fake rap, and I'm like, better out than in, oh, better out than in, uh-uh. and I just, <laughs> and I just tell people to sing that to themselves and just have a good ugly cry, because the reality is if you just cry for five minutes, then you feel a lot better on the other side. We're so afraid yeah. that we're going to lose it, we're going to break down, but you don't lose anything when you cry except for some toxins out of your eyeball. Nothing breaks inside of you when you're angry or sad, you just feel something, right. and then you move on to the internet. Yeah, and I've also found that when, you know, you get into that cycle where 
you just feel like what does matter anymore anyway, you know, that there is some subtle power that's actually trying to emerge because you're releasing all of that sort of a mm. dependency on your external self. And then you're finding that your in, internal world or your interior world is actually saying, did you remember you had this power sitting here, which you haven't been using as a weapon? And it starts <laughs> to come up just from that place. And I love it. Hey, Emily, I've loved our conversation today. And I've loved what you've told us about the power of Ziva meditation. And I'd love for the listeners to kind of find out how do they find you and more information about your online training program. And do keep in touch with us. And if you're ever in DC, do come by the museum. We'd love to host you. Thank you so much. I would love that. And I really enjoyed the conversation as well. So if people are interested in, in joining the online training and our online community, it's at Diva, V-I-V-A, which P.S. is a Sanskrit word that means bliss. So it's mm-hmm. divamind.com, and that's our online training. And we have a whole collection of videos and articles and podcasts over at zivameditation.com. So either one of those sites, if they want to just peruse and get to know me a little better, there's the, our Ziva Vault, which is like our blog. And then if they want to jump into the online training, that's simply zivaminds.com. And then we're all over social media, just Ziva Meditation. Well, I just followed you, and I believe you also have an upcoming event, Meditation is Medicine, on April 19th in New York. I do, with the amazing Dr. Robin Burzen. She's um, mm-hmm. she's a functional medicine doctor and an MD, and she started a company called Parsley Health. And she's really, she's so smart. She just had a baby, and watching her go through this journey has been such an inspiration. You know, running, what I think she has actually a billion-dollar company on her hands. I think she's really going to revolutionize how we deal with healthcare, and she's doing a beautiful mm-hmm. job of integrating more ancient holistic practices with Western medicine and making it really high-tech but very personalized. She's just such a smart woman, and so she, we're going to be speaking on meditation as medicine and how the combination of functional medicine and meditation can cure almost any disease. Um, now, obviously, there are exceptions to that, but just mm-hmm. giving people tools to empower themselves to use their meditation and exercise and diet as a way to optimize their own health and take their power back from our healthcare system. Sounds good. Emily, thank you, and lots of good wishes. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Same here. Bye-bye. So you see how happy you can be when you meditate and you can actually sleep, you can actually uh, heal, you can do a lot of good things. In other words, you can move out where certain blockages of thought or energy might be in the body. It's not to say it's going to give you like 1000% recovery. And I remember telling a story that when I started to get into meditation, I just started to have the worst back pain. I was like, where is it coming from? I had no pains before meditation. And I knew that it was just subtle awareness developing within my system of not feeling supported. So it's important for you to be able to self-monitor, reflect, contemplate. And for those of you who are just trying meditation, it really is easy. Watch your thoughts. Just watch your thoughts. Visit zivameditation.com if you'd like a training. Go to any meditation centers. You have to You know, move around and feel what resonates with your narrative, with where you are in your stage of life. Because not everything will fit your languaging and your story where you are presently. But there is something that will fit. So thank you for joining us. And now we're going to go to the most amazing, amazing reader of all time. And that's our beautiful, wonderful Sister Gita. Sister Gita, what have you got for us today? Today, you look at things with civil eyes. 
When you see things with civil eyes, you only see beauty. Thank you, Sister Jenna. Taken from the book Pearls of Wisdom by Daddy Chanky, one of the world's greatest spiritual wisdom keeper. And what I will read is there is in each of us an underground river whose course cannot be daunted. When the surface of life undergoes upheaval, the river changes, flows around, but never dries up. The strong currents that make this river flow are peace, love, and spirituality. So within our beautiful being are these qualities, peace, love, and spirituality. And that's what allows the inner river or the inner ocean to keep flowing. Have wonderful pensive day on the pearls of wisdom. So see each other with civil eyes and your relationships will be see yourself with civil eyes and we will not ponder so much on our negative traits that were acquired. Thank you. Have a great day. Beautiful as usual. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission, everyone. And we are here to love each other the same. Here's Love and Gratitude by Kristen Hoffman. Take care.
Love.